0: and welcome to a Newsflash episode of Unpacking the Case, the podcast by David Jones-Bold, the Real Estate Law Specialists. As ever, I'm joined by our Head of Legal Training, Richard Snow. Hello, Richard.
1: Hello, Lizzie. We must be a long time since we talked.
0: <laughs> yes, we did have a webinar approximately an hour ago, but we've both managed to uh, to uh, scoff a bit of lunch and now we're here for a, a Newsflash podcast. So today's newsflash is on signet trading limited and fprop nominee four, which is the first reported arbitration decision on the commercial rent coronavirus act um and the decision came out a few weeks ago on the 11th of july so we did do a, a webinar and some podcasts around the act when it came out earlier in the year but do you want to start by giving us a bit of background to the commercial rent coronavirus act
1: yeah, it's F prop. I should have said this F prop num- uh, nominee four, office nominee four, and offices nominee five.
0: Okay. <laughs> you like to make uh, it long winded, don't
1: you? Yeah, yeah. But um, I thought I'd just make that clear. a stickler for accuracy. Uh, yeah, shall I say so I'm just kind of refresh people's memories or perhaps take start afresh about what the Commercial Rent uh, Coronavirus Act uh, 2022 did? It took, it took over from the, the Coronavirus Act of uh, 2020, which did things like ban forfeiture for non-payment of rent. And somebody mentioned in the, the webinar we did this morning, um, uh, forfeiture for non-payment of rent is still in uh, lack of forfeiture, I should say, for non-payment of rent is still in place in Wales until September the 24th, but not England. Commercial Rent Coronavirus Act uh, received the royal assent on March the 24th this year and started to apply as of March the 25th, but only for six months, unless it's extended, which seems increasingly unlikely now. So it all ends on September the 24th, um, in the autumn of this year. And it basically introduces the concept of protected rent debt for a protected period. If you're got to be in an industry, if you like, that's adversely been affected by COVID, so is subject to sort of lockdown provisions. Uh, and the likes. So, you're talking really about the hospitality, leisure, and retail sector. And if your rent debt uh, accrued during the protective period when you were subject to some sort of mandatory closure and whole or in parts, then the Act will apply. But if your rent debt applied, you know, came into being uh, before that time period or after that time period, it won't. And in that uh, moratorium period, you won't be able to do things like effect forfeiture. In relation to protected rent debt or serve statutory demands or in, uh, winding up petitions or bankruptcy, you won't be able to top up uh, rent deposits. You can't use Ground B uh, as a way of opposing a new lease under the 54 Landlord and Tenant Act, which is persistent delay in paying the rent. There's no commercial rent arrears recovery. Unlike previously, there's no claims to sue in debt uh, for protected rent debt. And what basically will happen is you'll try to settle your differences between, you know, what should be paid and what shouldn't be paid for the, you know, between the landlord and tenant. But if there's been an engagement or an attempt to engage, then either side can apply for arbitration. I think mean, it's always been envisaged that these things should be settled amicably first, if that's possible. But if not, you've got sort of legally binding arbitration. And there are various categories of arbitrators who've... Uh, been appointed uh, to deal with the claims, and the arbitrators can basically uh, write off the debt in whole or in part. They can, uh, well, reduce interest payments in, you know, completely or in part, and they can also give you up to two years to extra to find the actual payments of the rent debt. And we've been waiting for cases, but no cases arose until two weeks ago today, it was the, the case was reported also perhaps say that rent debt includes things like insurance charges and service charges, VAT payments and interest as well. That's some of the background to it that we've talked about before, Lizzie.
0: Okie dokie. Should we move on to the facts of the arbitration decision on signet trading and F prop nominee for?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that the first reported case um, didn't deal with how the arbitrators deal with uh, rent debt. It just dealt with whether... These particular premises came within the legislation in the first place. But uh, you might not have heard, have you heard of Signet Trading before?
0: No, I don't think I have.
1: She's shaking her head. Uh,
0: Not really suitable for an audio medium.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they... uh... We've done enough of these things to know that right now. They, um, you probably, you'll have heard of their their subsidiaries. They're an American company. I didn't, I've never heard of them before this. Um, American major American company with retail premises all over North America and in the UK. They are jewelers basically, and they own uh, H. Samuel, who you'll have come across, and Ernest Jones as well. You strike me as more Ernest Jones than H. Samuel.
0: Well, thank
1: you. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they uh, so obviously during the you know, the first lockdown and beyond, their shops had to close. They were mandated to close. They've got to have to be mandated in a whole or in part. So if you're doing things like click and collect, you still come within the benefits of the, the the act. But the legislation itself, I'll paraphrase it, but it basically, it's section four of the the act says that the, the provisions apply if the whole or part of the business carried on by the tenant. At or from the premises comprised in the tenancy or, or the whole or part of the premises was subject to a closure requirement. And obviously, non-essential retail uh, was subject to closure retirement. Non-essential retail was, was subject to closure requirements. Um, basically, you have to shop, shut your shops down unless you're exempted. If you were offering to, to sell goods from the, from the shop... And the exemptions were obviously things like uh, essential retail food shops and the likes. Um, so they shut down all their 450 shops during the various lockdown periods. But this premises itself was uh, not one of their shops. It was their offices uh, in Boreham Wood in, in Hertfordshire. Uh, it was actually their headquarter offices. They entered into a release of this premises. I think it was in 2005. Uh, and it was their their main offices, their headquarters and registered address until um, February 2022. And they didn't shut down the premises completely. They just didn't need most of the staff, and they put the staff on furlough. Um, I think they had it any one time, about 35 members of staff. Uh, but there were only two permanent people who you know, stayed throughout all the various lockdowns, and um, they didn't pay the rents. They accumulated 448000 and forty three pounds and fourpence rent arrears. I'd be tempted to let them off the fourpence if I was a you know a kindly landlord. They're also actually paid interest at just over forty six pounds a day on that, so it's going up all the time and they argued that this was was protected rent debt. They had to shut down their premises. There was no need for the offices.
0: So how did the arbitration go and what decision did they make?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, to, before you can apply for arbitration, it was the tenant signet who uh, applied for the arbitration, probably the landlord. And um, they I so say you have to first engage or attempt to engage with the landlord. That had happened. And the landlord was more or less just arguing that uh, it doesn't apply here. It's not a question of whether we should uh, you know, reduce the rent liability and the likes and the debt liability. It doesn't apply. The tenants, uh, first, they have to give 14 days notice or at least 14 days notice that they want to apply for arbitration. And the landlord's got a 14 days to counter notice with their proposals. And if you want a, a full hearing, then the arbitrator should try and conduct one within a four, further 14 days. So the tenant applied for the arbitration I think reasons I might just come back to, it's going to be normal for the tenants to apply for the arbitration. The arbitration was heard by Falcon Chambers, the, the barristers, but they've got a Falcon Chambers arbitration that are one of the designated people. And it was Gary Cowan, who's a quite a famous QC, who uh, heard the case and they posted it on their website uh, immediately on, 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 the, on the decision, the arbitration decision. And they basically agreed with the landlords, it wasn't a question of whether they can make the tenant's business viable by reducing the rental liability on the offices. It just didn't apply in the first place. The offices were not mandated to shut, even though the, all the retail units were. And you can't argue that this was ancillary to you know the retail units shut. So they'll have to pay their rent debt. That's the basic decision.
0: OK, so what's likely to happen in the future as a result of this?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's an important case because there have been a lot of things left unclear. The legislation was frankly rushed through Parliament far too quickly to go receive the scrutiny. Perhaps it should have done. And that was an obvious issue that was going to arise. I mean, it is arbitration. It's um, it's a legally binding decision, but it doesn't mean to say that every last arbitrator will decide the same. Although uh, it was always envisaged that these things would be published rapidly and they will be always open to scrutiny so we'd know what the arbitrators were deciding so it is important in relation to ancillary you know businesses and like office businesses and like which were indirectly affected I think the major message is that As um, you've got that 14 days period and then a 14 days counter notice period before you can apply for arbitration and then the arbitrator, if you want an open hearing, has to call it within 14 days. It was inevitable there wouldn't be many cases initially when this first came in in late March, April, May even. But as September the 24th approaches, if you haven't applied for arbitration by then, then you're back in the same position. You You owe all the rental liability and exactly the same remedies as if it was non-protected and as that time period uh, commences I think it's in the tenants best interests to um, if they can't settle their differences with the landlords to to think about applying for arbitration and we're on July the 25th now I I suspect tenants are going to have to start thinking about applying for arbitration in early August because of the running periods so we'll have to see we might have to come back to this a bit later on it's the strangest piece of legislation I've ever had to talk about because it's going to it's very important you know for six months and then unless it does get extended i can't believe that will happen it stops being important well, in relation to, to new claims that can't be made as of september the 25th so that's it now Lizzie.
0: Excellent. thank you thank you richard and thank you everybody for listening we'll see you again in our next episode